my kids were small, it wasn't hard to, uh, you, can't, you won't find this hard to imagine that when my boys would be fighting sometimes, I'd come in and one of them would be calling somebody else, hey, stupid, way to go, stupid, that was dumb, or something like this, and they'd be attacking one of their brothers, and I'd come over there and go, hey, wait a minute, what's going on here? And I'd go, why are you saying these things to your brother? And they go, well, he made me. Well, how did he make you? Well, he did something stupid. So I had to tell him he was stupid five times, okay, at least. And you go, wait, 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 that's not the way we're going to respond to this. It's a good thing we all grow out of that, right? When people get us upset, we don't just immediately launch into attack. Oh, yeah, no, we don't grow out of that. In fact, today, uh, inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline entitled Interceding, and it's the next installment in our series on uh, Speak Life, on Speaking Life, using our tongues to speak life. And point one reminds us that we can choose to speak life or death. We can choose. I had to remind my kids, hey, you can choose. Just because your brother did something stupid doesn't mean you have to call him stupid. In fact, you can help him learn not to do it again. Oh, well, there is that possibility. I can encourage him? Yeah. And then maybe he won't keep doing this. But if I put him down, how's that going to help? Listen to what Jesus said. This is point two. We, we will, oh, first of all, let me just read the verse, Proverbs 18, 21. Don't want to get past that. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Proverbs 18.21, that's our verse for the whole series. We choose. I mean, Solomon's right. I can choose today whether I'm going to speak uh, life or death. Point two, we can speak death by cursing others and calling them names. Not just little kids, but adults. Man, something comes across the news, something comes across the internet, we get out our phones right away, and oh man, this politician is the biggest idiot that ever walked, and this person's so stupid, and the mayor and the coach of our team because they lost the game. He should be fired. He's awful. What a loser. And then we talk about our friends and we talk about our spouses. And sometimes it's with our lips and sometimes it's with our thumbs, but it's cursing people and putting them down. And this is all too common now. In fact, here's what Jesus said. This was something that was common when he was teaching crowds in Galilee. He said, you've heard that our ancestors were told You must not murder, and if you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. But I say, even if you're angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. And that was before social media. Think how much more true that is now. Well, then what are we supposed to do? Well, here's what I'm going to propose today. Instead of speaking death by cursing people and putting them down and talking about how dumb they are as fast as we can, what if we put down our phones and got on our knees and prayed instead? Because then we could use our lips to speak life. We could pray for the people we don't like. Pray for the situations that we don't understand. There are, there are all kinds of uh, adverse situations that are coming my way this week. Some beyond, completely beyond my control. Some will be brought about because other people made poor decisions or did something foolish. Sometimes because I'm working for somebody and I don't understand what they're doing. Yada, yada, yada. We can go on and on. All these situations are going to come. I'm not responsible for what comes my way. I am responsible for how I respond. And so are you. And today, I want to remind us that the Bible tells us when people don't do things we want or people are facing problems that they don't know how to handle and you don't know how to handle them either, the right thing to do is not curse them, but pray for them. So we're going to pray now that God will show us some more about this. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word that guides us into all matters of faith and practice. 
And Lord, it is a matter of faith and practice. We are to pray, not curse. Oh, Lord, forgive us. We are so quick to judge. We are so quick to fly off the handle and say all kinds of things that don't help anybody. We just tear people to shreds. And God, I just pray that today you'd remind us there's something else we can do. We can go a whole different direction with this. When we're faced with a problem we don't know how to handle, when we've got a loved one who's sick and we don't know what to do, we can pray for him. And so, God, I pray that today you'd remind us of these things. Please speak. Move me out of the way. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Point three. Well, that's what we're talking about. We speak life by interceding for others in prayer. Interceding. No, no. It just means making requests. You'll see it there, the definition there. Pleading or making petition to God on behalf of someone else. Oh, God, I pray that you will change their mind. Oh, God, I pray that you will heal them. Oh, God, I pray that you'll help them overcome their addiction. Whatever struggle, whatever problem, whatever issue, God, this person is not even reasonable. Would you please make them reasonable? That's a great way to talk instead of saying, I work for an idiot who's totally unreasonable. It's also dangerous to your employment <laughs> okay, if you post that. But we do stuff like this. And what if we prayed? Uh, I want to remind us of two things. First of all, Jesus intercedes for us and the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Those are the next two blanks on your outline. If you want to know if this is the heart, the heart of God, God reveals himself as one God and three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Romans 8, the Apostle Paul says the Son and the Spirit intercede for us. They make petitions, plead for God on our behalf all the time. First of all, Jesus, Romans 8, 34 who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And Jesus is sitting at the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading or interceding for us right now. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen? I mean, the Bible tells us that Jesus is our high priest. The job of the high priest was going to make petitions on behalf of sinful people before holy God. And the Bible tells us Jesus himself does that. Man, this is good news. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us a little earlier in Romans 8. In the same way, the Spirit helps, our, helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans and words that, cannot, groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. The Holy Spirit is interceding for us. We're not left to just figure things out on our own. Sometimes we don't even know how to pray. We go, God, I'm so frustrated I can't stand it. And all we have to do is sit in his presence and say, God, you, I, I don't even know what to think here. I'm just, ah, oh, I'm all balled up. And the Holy Spirit will intercede. Um, this is what he means. Now, if that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen. So if the, if the Son and the Spirit are interceding with the Father on our behalf, we know this is God's heart. And we know he'll help us do this. And that's why it's so important that we don't just do what everybody else is doing People who don't know God, the only recourse they have is to run others down to make themselves maybe stand taller. Well, we, we, have a re, we have a resource. We have a recourse. We can go to the Lord himself. We can lift up all our problems to him. And he says he'll help us. So three important dimensions of interceding. First of all, interceding means praying for people in leadership. Praying for people in leadership. 1 Timothy 2, I urge then, first of all, that requests and prayers and intercession and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior. He wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. 
We should be lifting up our governor. We should be lifting up our mayor. We should be lifting up our president, our Congress. We should be praying for the people who lead our country and for leaders around the world. Because their decisions impact lots of other people. And if we're going to live quiet lives and godliness and holiness, we need good laws. We don't need things passed that are going to take people away from God or destroy them or ruin their lives. We need godly decisions. And that brings us to a note there. We need to especially pray for leaders who oppose our point of view. But to you, I mean, listen to this from Luke 6. Jesus said this. But to you who are willing to listen, and this is for anybody willing to listen here this morning too, because this is hard teaching. If you're willing to listen, I say love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And then circle this next little statement. Or just read it out loud with me, please. Pray for those who hurt you. Ain't doing that. I'll pray for people I like. And Jesus goes, "Uh uh-uh, no, pray for those who hurt you. He means exactly that. Someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. Do to others as you'd like them to do to you. If you only love those who love you, why should you get any credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. I mean, notorious criminals scratch the back of another notorious criminal. If he scratched his back, back. I messed that all up. Anyway, but the idea (laughs) is simply this. And that's the live application. This week, I'm going to speak live by interceding for two people. I'm going to challenge you this. Someone whom you support and someone whom you don't. This could be on a political level. This could be on a job level. Somebody who's in leadership. Maybe you have a supervisor and you can't stand your supervisor. And I could have put whom I cannot stand. Jesus said pray for that person. If you can hear this, God sends the rain on the good and the wicked alike. Can you hear this? You might be dealing right now going... Oh, God, you cannot mean that I have to pray for this person. What would you pray for? Well, that God would open their eyes, that God would give them wisdom, that God would help them understand things differently, surround them with good advisors, that God would uh, turn their hearts around. But do we do this? Because all too often, again, our whole culture does not. Our culture just writes how horrible the people are on the other side of the aisle politically. And we all know it. We just yell at each other. Nobody's listening. If nobody's listening, well, who's praying? Let's pray. So that's a life application. Hang on to that. We're going to be filling in some other blanks today. So those are some names you can fill in today. Point B, um, interceding means praying for leaders. Point B, that was point A. Interceding means praying for health or urgent needs of others. Because, again, I mean, there's going to be people who make decisions I don't understand. Well, I need to pray for them. But there's going to be circumstances I don't understand or circumstances that are too big. And I don't know what's going on. And so I need to pray for people. James 5. Let's start with the health needs first. Any of you sick, you should call the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I mean, hopefully you see in there there's not only physical healing but spiritual healing that happens when uh, we come and bring our problems, our health concerns, our guilty consciences, everything before the Lord and in front of other believers. I mean, just this last week, it was while I was working on this outline, I got an email from Butch Ferguson, we, a bunch of our elders and deacons here, we got together and prayed for him last Sunday morning uh, about an issue he has 
dealt with prostate cancer in the past and had some radiation treatments. It was gone uh, for a while, but at his checkups, all the indicators were pointing that it had returned, and his doctor was 99% sure that it had come back. And so he went in for a PET scan this last week. I got this Tuesday evening, and he says, my doctor just called me. The results are in. There's no sign of cancer, and he really has no explanation for the possibility except uh, for the possibility of an infection that's not even supposed to be there after being radiated. So here's the bottom line. I can't say what was or was not there, but the doctor thought with 99% surety this was reoccurring cancer, which ended up not being there uh, as, as revealed by the PET scan. In my heart and soul, I know this is God, and thank God that he, you know, he went on to thank God for answering prayer. I mean, we pray for people all the time. There are other people we pray for. Do they get an immediate answer like this? No. But I will tell you this. I've had so many people write me and go, they've even sent me similar emails where they say, hey, look, I know you prayed for me. I didn't get the healing right away. But I want to tell you, I had a peace in my heart I've never had before. And God's used even this illness to draw me closer to him than I've ever been before. And so in a weird way, I want to tell you, God answered the prayer in a way that I didn't think. Not only health needs, but other urgent needs. Listen to Romans 15. Paul says, Dear brothers and sisters, I urge you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to join in my struggle by praying for me. And if you would circle this word struggle right here. Join in my struggle by praying for me. Do this because you love me. Because the love given to you by the Holy Spirit. Pray that I'll be rescued from those in Judea who refuse to obey God. Pray also the believers there will be willing to accept the donation I'm taking to Jerusalem. He had some specific things he was telling about, but he had a struggle. Do you know that there are people in your life and in my life that struggle? If we go back one slide on this, please. But when we come to this struggle issue, do you know that there are people who are struggling with addictions? There are people struggling in a painful relationship or a bad marriage. There are people you know that are struggling because they don't know where they're supposed to go with their career and they feel like they're at a dead end or maybe they just lost their job. Oh, it means the world when we pray for people instead of just saying, well, that guy's worthless. What if we prayed? God helped them in their struggle. God changed their marriage. What if we actually got on our knees and prayed? We don't know what to do, but God does. This is the heart of the Father. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. The Son intercedes for us with the Father. And we are to join them and intercede for each other. This is, we are doing God's work when we do this. And there's a blessing in it, not a curse. Oh, this is the heart of our Heavenly Father. So life application. This week I will speak life by interceding for blank. This is a fill in the name here. This could be a relative could be a coworker, a neighbor, someone who has a health concern or an urgent need that they cannot solve on their own. Write in their name right now, because we're going to pray a little later at the end of the service. Write in a name right now. You can put the first name. You know who they are. Please don't tell me you have no one in your life who has any urgent needs. That cannot be true. Now, one other thing before I move the, off this point we need to pray expecting God to answer. Okay? Don't pray, well, Lord, I know you're not going to do anything about this, so here we, I'm just going to do it anyway. Amen. I mean, that's a terrible prayer. We need to expect God to answer. 
And sometimes people tell me, I wish we could be a church like they were in the Bible times where people just believed everything they prayed. It's like, they were a lot more like us than you think, <laughs> okay? There was a time when Peter was arrested. Um, Herod, the same guy who had sentenced Jesus to death, had made sure that uh, James, uh, James and John, one of the disciples, James was run through with the sword. Peter was arrested. He was going to bring him out after the Passover. This is a couple of years after the crucifixion of things. And he's going to make sure that Peter is put to death. Well, the night before he's going to have this public trial and then be executed, uh, God arranges a miraculous prison break. And some people had been praying for Peter that God would rescue him. And so this is what happens in Acts 12 here. Uh, an angel has come into the cell. The chains have fallen off. The gate to the jail has opened up. Peter follows the angel out all the way out of the prison. Peter finally came to his senses when he was out on the street. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. They'd been praying for Peter's release. He knocked on the door at the gate, and the servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed. Instead of opening the door, she ran back and told everyone, Peter's standing at the door. Ah, you're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided, oh, it must be his angel. Well, meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. They've been praying for Peter's release. He's knocking on the door, and they go, yeah, God didn't do that. And that's the way we can be. We can pray about stuff, and then God answers our prayer, and we go, wow, God really answers prayer. I mean, think if you told a friend you were going to show up for, to help them, you know, move or something like that. You're going to be there at 730 in the morning, and you showed up, and they go, wow, you really came. Yeah, thanks for the respect. I, I love it. Yeah, I just didn't think you were actually going to come. I mean, I didn't count on you. I mean, no offense. I think there's a little bit of offense there. I mean, do we actually believe God's going to answer our prayers? Now, he may not answer it in the way we think or in the time we think, but he will answer. I mean, it's just so interesting that the people in those days were doing the same thing. So we need to pray expectantly. We need to pray for health and urgent needs. We need to pray for leaders doing things we don't understand. We also need to pray uh, for other believers across the board, just for other believers. And I'll give you three subcategories on that. First of all, we need to pray for unbelievers to become believers. I mean, the way somebody becomes a they start out as an unbeliever and they become a believer. So we need to pray for that. If we're going to pray for believers, we need to pray for believers, for people to believe. Now, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. And this is uh, before the apostle Paul had become the apostle Paul. An apostle means somebody who's sent, and he was a great missionary, or a missionary. Before he became the missionary Paul, he had been an ardent opponent to the gospel. And Paul's name even changed. Before he became Paul, he was originally known as Saul, from a place called Tarsus. And Saul of Tarsus uh, couldn't stand the Christian faith and wanted to wipe out Christianity. He was a very zealous Pharisee and thought Christianity was just a dangerous cult. And so he was all for having people thrown in prison and beaten, even executed. So one day he was on a journey from Jerusalem to Damascus, and he had orders from the chief priests in Jerusalem to go capture any Christians who used to live in Jerusalem and had uh, fled persecution and gone to Damascus, go bring them back and stand trial for heresy, basically. So Paul was on his way to go arrest and torture and beat up people, do whatever necessary, and God appeared to him in a blinding vision on the way there. 
In fact, he couldn't see after he uh, received the vision where Christ told him, hey, Paul, it's me, Jesus, you don't fight me on this. And so for three days, he didn't eat or drink anything. And that's where we jump in the story. There was a believer in Damascus. Paul had been led there, blinded. And this Damascus believer was named Ananias. And the Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. And the Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. And I've shown him in a vision a man named Ananias coming to him, laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to believers in Jerusalem, and he's authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls on your name. But the Lord said, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument. Take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as the people of Israel. I'll show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went, found Saul, laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might again regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He regained his sight, then he got up and was baptized. Ananias was scared to even go talk to the man, let alone lay hands on him because he was such a dangerous threat. And yet the Lord said, no, I want that guy. That guy's going to become a powerful missionary. I put that story in there because we have to pray for unbelievers to become believers. And there are so many times when we give up on our kids, we give up on our neighbors, we give up on a professor, we give up on... A co-worker, oh, they'll never come to Christ. Well, this guy would have been at the top of the list of never become a believer. I mean, if you're on your way to go arrest believers, nobody's putting him out. I think he's almost ready to believe in Jesus. I don't think anybody would have said that. Yet Jesus touched his heart. And isn't it interesting, Jesus knew exactly where to find him. He's at Judah's house on Straight Street. He's praying to me right now. Go right now. What if you and I prayed, God, would you allow me to be ambassador for you this week? I want to pray for this person. Because how do we know that God isn't working in the heart of that neighbor or that relative or that friend today? We've been working on them for the last few years, and they are this close to coming to Christ. And all they need is a friend to tell them the good news and to introduce them to Jesus. What if you and I could be Ananias? So first of all, we need to pray for believers to become, for unbelievers to become believers. That's the life application. So this week I'm going to speak life for interceding for that person. It'd be so easy to write on this like, oh, so-and-so is never going to become a believer. They have such a hard heart. They're so stubborn. They're so pig-headed. That'll bring them to Jesus. Post that on social media. Or we can say, Lord, I want to pray for them. If you can change Paul, you can change any, Saul into Paul, you can change anybody. Secondly, we need to pray for other believers to grow in Christ. A person comes to Christ, we need to pray they'll grow. Ephesians 1, Paul said, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I haven't stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray your hearts will be flooded with light so you can understand the confident hope that he's given those whom he called, his holy people who are rich and and have a glorious inheritance. I also pray that you'll understand the incredible greatness of God's power for those of us who believe him. It's the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in a place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. We also need to pray that believers will grow, that unbelievers will become believers, and then they'll grow. A life application. Who are you praying for they'll grow? 
Fill in the blank. That's the next line. This week I'm going to speak live for interceding for so-and-so. This is a fill in the blank here who needs to grow. Could be, again, somebody very close to you. They need to be reading their Bible. Pray that God will give them a hunger to do that. They need to be coming to worship. I was at a wedding reception last night, and a person walked up to me, and they said, I'll be at worship at your church tomorrow. And I go, good, I was just getting a chicken finger, okay? <laughs> and they said, no, you don't understand. I have been out of church for a while, and it was a young woman. She said, I talked to my mom, and I said, yeah, I don't know if I should go to church or not. And mom said, well, you used to go to that church there, what's it called, Centerpoint? And, and uh, the lady said, yeah. And she said, well, you should go back there. You grew a lot while you were there. And she goes, yeah, but I haven't seen anybody from there in a long time. And then she said, I come to this wedding, and I bump into you. And I go, have a chicken finger and come to church tomorrow, okay? You should be in worship tomorrow. She goes, it was as if God was putting you right in my path. I said, oh, I guarantee it. In fact, you're going to be an illustration. No, anyway, we'll, uh, we'll go on. <laughs> okay. Finally, so we need to pray for believers to grow. Pray they'll come back to worship. Pray they'll come to a small group. That's where they grow. Pray they'll read the Bible. Pray that they'll pray. Oh, I don't know what to do with my daughter. She won't go anywhere. No. Pray. Speak life. We need to pray for believers to boldly tell others how to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the last point I'll make. Pray in the Spirit at all times, on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me, too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan to the good news for Jews and Gentiles alike. And, oh, man, I was trying to shorten things so I wouldn't have too long of an outline. I wish I'd have put the next verse on there because Paul goes on. He says, that's why I'm here in chains. He did not pray that the people would, uh, when he wrote the people in Ephesus, he didn't pray, hey, pray that God will get me out of prison miraculously like he did Peter. He said, pray that I'll proclaim boldly as I should the gospel. I got a great prison ministry going on here. These guards get changed out every few hours. It's like I got, a, I got this captive audience. It's amazing. So pray that I'll be bold. Because you can imagine some of those guards were telling him to shut up and cussing him and all kinds of things. Pray for boldness. See, for Paul, he just looked at whatever situation he was in. Well, God must have put me here. Life application. This week, I'll speak life by interceding for someone who needs to boldly tell others about Jesus. If you can't think of anybody else, please put my name in there. Some of you do this for me every week, and I am so grateful for this. You pray that God will give me boldness and clarity. Oh, thank God you do that. But it's not limited to me. You could put several people in there. I'll take it. Anytime you want to do that, please do that. Because I get an opportunity to tell lots of people about Jesus, and I want to be bold and clear. So the challenge today is, the challenge this morning is that we're going to be people who speak life, not death. And that's by praying. So I want you to hear from Vicki and Scotty Lewis. Um, they are involved here in our church, and so I'm asking them to come up on here and uh, Vicki uh, came to Christ first, and uh, she, had, she prayed for a long time that Scotty would come to the Lord. And Vicki, how long did you pray? I prayed for the love of my life for 30 years. Okay. And what kind of, and what did you pray about? Like when you, or how'd that all happen? 
it was in 1983 that I began praying for, for Scott. Um, we were in Lubbock, Texas, and uh, there was a couple that came to our door, and they were witnessing. And I don't think he was real thrilled about them coming in, but I invited them in, and I accepted Christ through that visit, and I was baptized that year. That's great. And so you started praying for Scott. What kind of things did you pray? Well, at first, I was so excited about knowing Christ and, and reading his word, and so I wanted to share it with, with Scott, and um, really, I kind of bulldogged it, and as he would say, and I, I realized really quickly that, you know, I couldn't do that. I, I couldn't push what I believed on him, and if anything, it, it made him go further away, so um, I met a lady at church, and I asked her advice, and she told me, she said, I want you to read a book. She said, it's by Stormy O'Mardian. It's called The Power of a Praying Wife. And so I read that book, and it helped me to be really focused in my prayers for him. I prayed that God would soften his heart. I prayed that God would remove his spiritual blindness, that he would give him eyes to see and ears to hear the word of God, and that he would become the spiritual leader of our family with our three sons instead of me. Hmm. And that wasn't an instant response, was it? It was not. Yeah. So well, there was kind of a, a big event that happened a few years later. Tell everybody about that. I'd been praying for Scotty about three or four years, and uh, we were assigned to England. Scott was a pilot in the Air Force flying F-111s. And in February of 1987, Scott was coming back from a cross-country. Cross I had just pulled into my driveway with a five-month-old baby and a two-year-old, and I was informed that um, the plane that Scotty was flying had a serious malfunction, and it crashed. And I was told that he was alive, and his weapon system officer was alive. And even though that was a terrible tragedy and a, and a long recovery, I was so thankful that God saved him. God gave me a sign, a, a sign that I desperately needed that God was going to do something with Scott. He revealed to me that he had big plans for Scott, that he saved him for a purpose. And while Scott was in the hospital recovering, I remember telling him both those things. Yeah, and so Scotty, even though you'd had this um, incident happen with the plane crash and things, that didn't immediately mean that you said, hey, Lord, I'm your man, right? No, sir. The, uh, the brickhead I was at the time, the hardhead, really. That the brickhead was, works. That's brickhead, fine. brickhead works well. <laughs> uh, my priorities were completely out of whack. I was, it was more important to me to impress my peers, to advance my career. Um, I, I should have had, obviously, my father and my family um, well ahead of, uh, of those things. So I had my, my priorities way out of order. And I had all these incredible signals. I had this amazing wife in my life. Um, I survived a crash. And regrettably, at that point in time, instead of being um, thankful for the fact that he had allowed me to survive, I was more worried about, am I going to get to fly again, and what's the next step in my career, and that sort of thing. But you did eventually come to the Lord. How'd that come about? 
Yes, sir. Uh, I believe for the longest time that I had this angel sitting on my shoulder or that I was incredibly lucky. And I really, um, I began to realize that there are no happenstance in this life. Things happen for specifically or for a reason. And Vic and I had come back to uh, Millbrook. Uh, we back to our, our home that we've had for several years, and we went back to our original church. And uh, Vic had some very strong relationships there, so we went back, and we came back from a, from church one day, and I said, I'm just not feeling it. I'm not being fed. I don't think I'm growing. Um, and I just, at that point, I really was not believing. And I told her, I said, would you mind if we look around for another church? And that was a really big step for her because of her relationships with the church. And she said, she said yes. And truly, within a day or two of that, a friend of hers at work said, go check out Centerpoint. And we came the very next Sunday. And no kidding, after that very first time in Centerpoint, we walked out those front doors out there, and we were high-fiving because I told her we found a home. This is where we want to be. Ultimately, we, we joined a connect group. And once again, God, knowing what I really needed, our connect group had several men that were truly men that were um, the leaders in their families, um, the leaders of faith in their families. And I needed that. I needed to see that, to recognize that all the time that I thought I was really being a man, I was falling way short. Mm. And that ultimately led to uh, being baptized uh, in uh, the next July. And, uh, and here we are. And so, um, Vicki, what are some of the things you're praying for Scotty now? Well, I know that the Holy Spirit has gifted Scotty with leadership abilities, and he has just this really great love for people. And now in his job, he has the opportunity to travel. So now my prayers have changed to that, of course, for a hedge of protection when he's gone, but also that he will be able to have ministry opportunities for all these people he's meeting everywhere, to, to for God to provide the time and the opportunity for him to share his story. Yeah, and Scotty, you're leading a connect group now? Yes, sir. And uh, you're even starting a Bible study at work, is that right? Yes, sir. Um, love our connect group. And a bunch of our connect group members are here this morning. Yeah, and, they're waving. Uh, and a bunch of different connect groups that we've been a part of. And then uh, a few months ago, um, I'm surrounded by some incredible men at work. And we, and I think many people here know that it can be a challenge in a work environment to start talking about faith and that sort of thing. But I, I said, you know what, it's, it's important to me. I don't, honestly, I really don't care at this point uh, what the ramifications may be. So we started a pair group um, and iron sharpens iron. Yep. And our goal is to become fishers of men. And that's really the specific purpose of our group is to start reaching out inside of our organization to bring more people in. So, so this morning, um, I'm going to pray for the two of them. Uh, we're going to have some time after that where we spend some time praying for people. Now, but I want to pray for them because Right now, they're also praying for their two oldest sons uh, to come to Christ as well. I mean, everything we've talked about here, praying for people to become a believer, praying that believers will grow, and then praying for boldness to proclaim the gospel, this is how you guys are praying. So we're going to pray specifically for them, and I want you to stay where you are because we're going to spend some time praying for the people we wrote in these blanks. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for Scotty and Vicki being here today. I want to thank you, Lord, for your hand upon them. I want to thank you that Vicki was faithful in prayer for all those years. Lord, that you answered her prayers. I thank you, Lord, that Scotty has come to Christ. And now, Lord, he's praying with her, not just for impact where he works, but impact for their own children. 
And so, God, we ask that you would keep your hand upon them and that you would hear their prayers. Give them boldness so they can boldly proclaim the good news of Jesus in their home, at their work, in the neighborhood where they live. We pray these things in the wonderful name of Christ. Amen. Can we give them a round of applause?